is the Holy Spirit is the most active part of the Trinity in the, in the world today. Jesus died and released the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives every single day. And I feel like most people don't even know that the Holy Spirit is actually a person. It's not just some spirit floating out there. He's actually a person that is active in our lives. You know, I was thinking recently of um, E.J. Potter. Does anybody know who E.J. Potter is? He's also known as the, the mid-Michigan madman, right? You know him. Okay, he's, there's, a, there's a book out, the, out there called The, the Michigan Madman. All right, if you don't know about E.J. Potter, look him up. Uh, he actually um, had a property right across from one of my friends growing up. And I, we used to look over at his property, and, and I just used to think in my mind, like, man, this guy is nuts. Like, he is crazy. Out there and on his property, he had, you know, rocket engines and jet turbines and all of these things because he would create these motorcycles, and, but he'd put like jet engines in them and things like that, like all these crazy different parts, and he was world famous. People would call him from, with all sorts of problems because he tackled projects that no one would ever think about. He did things that no one would ever think to do, and so he knew how to solve really crazy problems, mechanical problems. It was funny, uh, one guy hired him to uh, work on his, his Mustang, and he shows up, and the guy's like, hey, where, where's all of your timing tools? And EJ just kind of shuffles in his pocket, and he pulls out a, 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 a protractor, and that's all he had. And the guy's like, well, what are you going to do with that? And EJ said, hey, it's not, it's not the, what tools you have. It's, it's how you use them. Good. And uh, when I think about the mid-Michigan madman, like if you know about him, everybody knew what he was about. They called him a madman because... He would spend hours and hours and hours just working on these projects, and he'd be totally consumed by these projects in his life, and everyone just knew what he was about. And I, that makes me think about Jesus when he w- was a little boy, and his, his parents w- were looking everywhere for him, and they, where'd they find him? They found him in the temple, and he said, Mom, don't, Dad, don't you know that I'm about my father's business? Right. I have to be about my father's business, and you know, that's what I want to be known for personally. I want to be about the Father's business. And that's exactly what Jesus was about. He was about the Father's business. Now, I want us to understand that everything that Jesus did in his life was not just to die on the cross so we can have our sins forgiven. Everything Jesus did was to fill you and I with power, to restore us to the exact nature that he created Adam in originally. Adam had dominion and authority over all of the earth, but it was stolen from him. Jesus' total purpose, his complete purpose, was to fill you with divine power. I want us to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. It's Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist has come. And one of the things that John the Baptist says is, I have baptized you with water for repentance. But there is one coming after me who is mightier than I am, whose sandals I am not worthy to bear. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and fire. Say fire. fire. Everything that Jesus did was to fill you with an all-consuming passion and fire for God. You see, fire in the Bible was a symbol for God's presence, his physical manifestation on earth, and his power. When Elijah called for God's power, what happened? Fire fell from the sky. When, when Moses was at Mount Sinai, and all the, he had all the people of Israel in the wilderness, in Exodus chapter 19 it says that God came down onto Mount Sinai through fire, and he dwelled on the top of Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is wandering in the wilderness because he is, a, a, I guess what we would call a, a fleeing convict. He's a murderer. He's out there. He's, he's in the wilderness. And the whole reason that Moses is out there is because he wanted to make a change. Hebrews chapter 12 said that Moses decided in his heart that he would not be identified as the son of an Egyptian daughter, but he would rather become a slave and do what is right than be identified as, as, with the palace. Yeah. And so he took matters in, into his own hands and he committed a terrible crime and here he is out in the wilderness wandering, probably knowing deep down in his heart that he, he had a call on his life, but he doesn't know what to do with it. And suddenly in Exodus chapter 3, God appears to him in a burning bush. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. And the bush was burning, but it was not consumed. And this, I believe, is a type and shadow of what Jesus has done for you and I. We are to be a burning flame, totally consumed by God, but yet not consumed. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who under, under King Nebuchadnezzar's rule, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to force them to bow down and to worship him. But they said no. And Nebuchadnezzar said, then you'll be thrown into the fire. And they basically said, we don't care. We would rather serve our God than, than serve anything that you try to force us to serve. And he throws them in the fire. What happens? They're not burned. Right. Because God knows that, and inside that fire, Nebuchadnezzar is looking into it and all of a sudden, there's three men thrown in there, but there was a fourth man being seen walking back and forth. And, and Nebuchadnezzar says himself, he had an appearance of the Son of Man. The appearance of the Son of God. And what's funny about that is there were two guards that fell into the fire and they burned up, but the three of them did not. You see, this Holy Spirit in fire, once we experience it in, in our lives, anything that is not of God is going to be consumed. It's, it's as if God is burning the trash to expose the treasure in our lives. What I want us to understand from this is that fire represents God's manifested presence on the earth. And Jesus, and, and John the Baptist said Jesus is whole purpose was to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Yeah. So what is God saying here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11? I believe that John the Baptist is saying, look, I, I have baptized you with water so people know that you have turned away from yourself and back to God. He said, but there is one 
that is coming after me who is mightier than I am and whose message I can't bear to tell because it's not my place. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and God's presence and power on earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Do you not know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit? And I think one thing that we need to realize is that the Holy Spirit dwells nowhere else in the world besides in you and me. The born-again, blood-bought believer, that is the only place where people can experience the Holy Spirit. It's from us. And it, it is important that we understand how the Holy Spirit operates and how Jesus wanted us to operate with the Holy Spirit. You know, one thing we need to understand is that the devil is a supernatural being. And he has power over supernatural demonic forces. Don't you think that Jesus would equip us with supernatural abilities to be able to counteract that. I mean, just look at what happened the other day in Florida. That's demonic. I'm sorry, you can call it whatever you want, but that is a demonic influence in the lives of young people who are speaking uh, voices in their head, speaking, speaking voices, uh, telling them to do things that is not natural, that is not of God. That is a demonic force. Yes. Yeah. And Jesus said, it was imperative for him to go away. But he said, I do not leave you as orphans. I'm not abandoning you in this world. You see, his, the disciples were clinging to Jesus because he had power and authority and miracles poured forth from him. They didn't want him to go anywhere. Because if he did, guess what? The Roman soldiers is going to sweep in and carry him away and put him in prison and they're done. Jesus was their lifeline. You know, uh, Olivia and I just got back from uh, Las Vegas, and I'm proud to say that I uh, have been to Las Vegas twice and never gambled, partly because I don't want to lose any money. But, um, but one of the things that we do really enjoy is that we enjoy the food. We, we spend a lot of money on food, but it's, it's worth it. You know, the other day I had us. $65 steak, and it was delicious, okay? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, I love to eat with people that are hungry, right? Like, have you ever gone to a restaurant, and you're, you're, you're a starving, and you're, and you're just so excited to eat, you've been thinking about this meal all day long? Have you ever been out to somewhere like that, but someone in your group is like, oh, I already ate. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, oh, that's so lame. Like, I've been thinking about steak all day long. I've been, like, starving myself all day to get to this place because I want to eat the steak. My mouth is watering. And this person's like, I think I'm just going to have a salad. I'm like, I'm like, what did you eat? I had a grilled cheese. Who settles for a grilled cheese over steak? Right? I, I just, it just bothers me. But here's what I want us to understand. God desires to eat with hungry people. 
He desires a church that is hungry. He wants believers that are hungry and passionate and on fire for Him. People who aren't already full of themselves, full of their own opinions, full of the world's opinions. He wants people that are hungry for the Word of God. You see, I I am very, very passionate about this because here's here's the reality about the Holy Spirit. There are tons of people out there with, with many different doctrines of what they feel the Holy Spirit should be used for. And, and whether or not the gifts of the Spirit are in operation today, and all those things. But here's, here's what I would say. I don't want doctrine. I don't want teaching. I don't want what people teach in seminary. I want what the Bible says. I believe this from cover to cover. If it says I can have it, I can have it. Right. If it says I can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Jesus himself said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And everything that the Father has given me, I am giving to you. That's in John chapter 14. You see, we need to understand that Jesus was not just dying for our sins. He wanted to create many Jesuses. He wanted to create imitators. He wanted to create people who would manifest his power and glory on the earth today. You see, I I do speak in tongues. I do, I do have prophecy every once in a while. You see, in Ephesians, the Bible says that there are apostles, there are, oh my gosh, there are apostles, there are prophets, there are evangelists, there are preachers, and there are teachers. It's the fivefold ministry. Fivefold ministry, all in operation in the earth today. Right. And people get so weirded out when it comes to stuff like this. And I did too. Look, trust me. The first time I went to a church where people spoke in tongues, it was weird. Right. It was really weird, and it freaked me out. I wanted to run for the hills. And my sister spoke in tongues, and I thought she was an absolute weirdo. I'm like, man, you are strange. But the reality is, is that when we draw close to God, when we allow him to fill us with the Holy Spirit, and we open ourselves up to be a little weird, we, we can experience something that no one else can. Right. We can experience something that we've never known before. And we can go deeper and deeper and deeper. You see, the Bible says that the, the Holy Spirit searches even the depths of God. You will have un- understanding that anyone that is not filled with the Holy Spirit cannot have because they have not searched the depths of God. It's not that God doesn't want to reveal it to them. It's not that God is withholding them. God doesn't love me more. But the reality is there are things you can only learn when you get close to God. And that's, that's just the way it is. You know, you don't learn things about your spouse from, from keeping distance. You learn things from your spouse by coming close to them. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You know, the closer you get to God, the more sin in your life is going to be revealed the more fault in your life is going to be revealed. And that's hard. It's hard sometimes to get that close to God and realize, man, I'm really screwing up. And this year for me is the year of acceleration. And you've heard, me, heard people say this over and over again, and it's a theme for our church, the year of acceleration. It's something that the prophets, people that we feel are credible, people that we feel have a good uh, foundation spiritually, and their, their words in, in the past time have come to pass. They're credible. 
And they talk about how this year is the year of acceleration for a lot of things. But they also said that this year is the year of consecration. And I believe that with all my heart because I'm experiencing it right now. I'm experiencing a consecration in my life that I have never had before. Before January started, one of the things God told me to do is he wanted me to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning every single day and read for two hours. And so I've been doing that every single day, getting up 5 a.m., reading the word for two hours. And I can tell you that God has revealed more in me that, that needs to be removed than any other time in my life because of this very thing. You know, one of the things that God spoke to me as I've been getting closer and closer to him is he said, Jeff, you know, if you've watched more seasons on Netflix than you've read chapters in the Bible, then you're in trouble. He said, you're in trouble, son. I said, what do you mean, God? He says, you know your call, and you know where you need to be, and you know where you need to go. He said, but if you don't start doing what you need to do, you'll never get there. And I said, God, what, what do I have to do? He said, I need you to press in. I need you to listen. I need you to open your ears. I need you to open your eyes. Right. And he, he reminded me of John chapter 3 when he, when he talked to Nicodemus. And he, and he said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus was not talking about the future coming of heaven. He was talking about here and now. That we as believers should be able to see and recognize when and where God is moving. When and where there is hurt, there is pain. You see, you can have miracles happen in your life every single day. And miracles don't need to be this big weird thing. They can be just every day like you're breathing, right? You're talking to somebody. And all of a sudden you can feel their emotion. That's just a very natural thing. But a lot of times when you're not in tune with the Spirit, you'll do nothing about it. You'll walk away, maybe you'll tell somebody, hey, I feel like so-and-so is having a bad day. That's an opportunity for you to speak into their life prophetically. You know, prophecy is really, really easy. It's just hearing from God or having an emotional feeling from God and acting on it. That's, That's prophecy. If you come to someone and you feel you have this discernment that something's going on in their life and you speak into their life, that's prophetic. As long as you're speaking biblical truth of God. And it's not anything to be afraid of. Those are things that we need to jump on, opportunities we need to jump on, because you are God's manifestation on the earth. Yes. I need to find myself because I preach way ahead here. I want you to turn to Luke chapter uh, 24. Luke chapter 24. The disciples, or excuse me, two of the disciples are on their way to Emmaus. And what I want us to remember here is we, we have two disciples who have walked with Jesus every single day. They've seen the healings. They've seen the miracles. They've heard his his preaching. They've seen him dispute religious leaders. But then, 
truth that cut right to their heart. They've had these experiences with God all throughout, but then what happens? Jesus is taken from them. He's beaten, crucified. He's dead in the tomb as far as they know. So I'm going to pick it up here. Excuse me. Oh, I just lost my place here. I'm going to pick it up here. Luke 24, verse 13. It says, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? And he said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how your chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. I think about these disciples and where they're at right now. You see, you, you might be thinking to yourself, God, Jeff, why is it so important for us to understand what the fire of God means for me? Why is it so important for, for me to have that in my life? Well, here we have two disciples who had been living off Jesus's fire, Jesus's passion. You see, Jesus was anointed by God. He had the Holy Spirit inside of him. He was doing all these miracles, and they're living off of Jesus' fire. But what happens as soon as Jesus is gone? They're hightailing it. Jesus told them, stay in Jerusalem until I come and clothe you with power. But here they are hightailing it. Why? Because they lost their fire. I don't know about you if you've ever been in a place where you feel like you've lost your fire, but I have. And people often lose their fire because their expectation does not match their reality. And I feel like sometimes people get expectations about God and it doesn't match their reality and they walk away. Right. Because when that happens, there's a, there's, they feel like there's a breach of trust. Oh, I can't trust you now, God. That healing didn't happen right away. Right. I can't trust you, God. My finances didn't increase right away. See, the disciples thought that, that Jesus was going to rise up and fight. Fight his way into power. Take over Rome. Be the king. Yet, Jesus told them over and over, I will be killed. I'm telling you right now, guys, I'm going to be killed. Peter didn't want to believe him. And Jesus called him the devil. Right. Get behind me. My purpose is different than what you think it is. You see... One of the things that God has been speaking to me in my life, and, it, and I've, it's a, it is a word for all of us, and it's this. The church cannot overpromise 
and underdeliver. Come on. Because people will lose trust in the church. Right. We can't overpromise the things of God, but not be able to deliver them. You see, I, I feel like there's a whole generation of people who have read the Gospels, and they see Jesus, and they see him doing all these miracles, and they see all these signs and wonders, and then they look at the church, and they don't see anything. No signs, no wonders, no healings, no speaking in tongues, no prophecy, nothing. And i got to tell you, I think the world is sick and tired of dead religion. It's sick and tired of churches that don't have any power. Sick and tired of churches that aren't healing. When was, there are some churches that probably have not had a healing in their church for, since the time it existed. And I'm not coming against anybody or anyone's church, or anyone's faith. All I'm saying is, for me, I want all that God has. I want the best that God has. If God says that I can have a supernatural gift, I want to have it. And people ask me all the time, well, Jeff, is that really God's will for that to happen? Let me tell you what God's will is. If Jesus did it, then you can do it. If Jesus taught it, you can learn it. And if if God promised it, you can have it. That is God's will. And people will say to me all the time, well, how do I know if I, if I can heal people? Or how do I know if I'm a prophet or if I have this? Because let, let's just get something straight. Corinthians does say not everybody will do every spiritual gift. Okay? You can if you want to learn them. But not everybody will. And that's just... That's okay. If, if people don't want something, they don't want it. It's a gift. As Jesus said, you don't have to have it for salvation. It's not essential. But they are gifts. Why would you not want the fullness of power that God has for us? To me, that's silly. That's like if somebody bought you the best gift you could ever think of, but you're like, nah, I don't want to open it. You can just keep it. I don't want to. You know, it's silly to not want the things of God. We can't overpromise and underdeliver. And so I, my question to you is, is, have you ever been like these two disciples? Have you ever been disheartened or disappointed? Have you ever found yourself on this journey where you thought you knew where you were headed? You thought you had it all figured out. And then all of a sudden you don't. You don't know where to turn. You don't know where to go. Let me just remind you that if you are asking yourself these questions, the only place to turn is to God. If at any point in your life you are feeling depressed or discouraged or downtrodden, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. There's something that God wants to give you. There's something that God wants. If you don't feel like you have power from God, if you don't feel like you're, you're walking in the way that you need to walk, there's something wrong with the relationship. And I think our first attitude is, oh, I'm doing something wrong. God's not, God's not giving me the power. I'm sinning, or I have this in my life or that. It's not about your position with God. It's about relationship. Do you know him? Have you accepted him into your life? That's all that matters. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is that no matter what's going on in your life, every minute, every second is an opportunity 
to be different, to make a change, to step back into God's light, and his grace will say, you're enough for me. You're enough. Jesus said in in Mark chapter 12, verse 33, Jesus says that a tree is known by its fruit. And God has really been pressing me in my personal life about the fruit of a disciple. The fruit of a disciple. And Jesus said, These are the signs that will accompany those that believe. This is in Mark chapter 16. He said, they will cast out devils in my name. They will heal the sick in my name. They will handle demonic forces and they will not be bitten. That is God's will for our life. And what we have to realize is this stuff doesn't happen every single day, okay? I'm not walking down the street and a demon shows up, right? Right. That's not real. But I can tell you that I have dealt with a demon one time in my life. I had a a kid, a young boy, manifest a demon right in front of me, and he was on the ground face down, and he was literally shoving his face into the rocks and cutting them all up, screaming like like a wretch. And all twisted and contorted, and and nobody else around me knew what was going on. Everyone was freaking out. But you know what? We prayed for that kid, and we cast out the devil in the name of Jesus, and he was totally fine. One time in my one time in my Christian walk. Okay, it doesn't happen every single day. Was it crazy? Yes, it was crazy. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I have laid my hands on people, prayed for them, and seen them their sickness and their disease recover. Now, every time that that I pray for somebody, does it happen? Do they get healed? No. I don't know why, but I believe that God is a healer. And every time that I pray for somebody, I believe that they're going to get a healing because God is a healer. You see, we need supernatural signs and wonders in our churches. Ray Bench said it last week. It is vital that we have them. You turn to me to Matthew. This is my this will be my last verse, I promise. Matthew verse chapter 24. God God really likes chapter 24s today. Matthew chapter 24. And I want us to understand why this is important. It's why it's really important to understand that God wants to manifest his power inside of us for us to be a witness to the world. Chapter 24, let's start at verse 8. Jesus has just previously talked about a whole bunch of things that are going to happen and be a sign that the beginning of the end is happening. These will be a sign And there are all these things that are totally out of our control. Earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, all these things. But then Jesus starts saying, 
44 verse 8, all these things are but the beginning of the birth pains. Now how many, probably mostly women know that a birthing process can be long. A birth can be a process. It takes time. I mean, I don't know what the longest is. I would hate to be that person. Uh, but a birthing process can take a while. So it doesn't mean that all this is going to happen at once. It's a process. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will wax cold. How does something wax cold? The fire goes out. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. What I want us to recognize here is that a witness in the Greek language is one who can or does after what he has seen, heard, and knows. See, most people read this and they just think it's the preaching of the gospel, getting people saved, and that is a major part of it. But the church is to be a witness of Jesus, meaning that we can say, do, teach, and impart to other people exactly what Jesus did. It is important for us to understand how the Holy Spirit wants to work in the world today. And to do that, we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, and how he wants to manifest in our lives. You know, Brother Osteen used to preach that a, that a non-believer cannot receive the Holy Spirit. That's because John chapter four, in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, it says that The world cannot, I will send the comforter, I will send the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive. People that are worldly cannot receive the Holy Spirit. You have to be born again to be able to receive the Holy Spirit. And people say, well, hold on a second. When I'm born again, I receive the Holy Spirit and I receive everything I need. No, that's not true. See, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, came to the disciples in John chapter 20 And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then he tells them, wait here. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will clothe you with power. See, there's there's two different experiences that happen with the believer. You see, Jesus said to them, stay here until I give you instruction. And then he gave them instruction. He told them where to go, and they went there, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And when the Holy Spirit came, what happened? When the Holy Spirit came, it says there was a mighty rushing wind like thunder. This is Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit came as cloven tongues of fire and rested on each individual 
person and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were filled with power, what happened? When they were filled with power, they went out into the streets and they started preaching the gospel. 3,000 people were saved. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need in our lives. But what we have to understand is they were speaking in other tongues and that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we just receive. I mean, when I was born again, I didn't just start speaking in tongues. There are people that have done that all, all in one, one swing, but it wasn't my experience. My experience was a separate baptism in the Holy Spirit. So what I want to say tonight is this. If you're at a place in your life where you feel like you want more and you need more and you really want to press in, there are people in this church that that can teach you these things. They can teach you how to operate in the gifts of tongues. They can teach you how to operate in prophecy. They can teach you how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But you have to want it. Jesus said, I will give the Holy Spirit to anyone who wants it. And just like he came to give forgiveness for everybody from the greatest to the least, he came to give the Holy Spirit to the greatest and the least. It doesn't matter who you are. I've had people say, well, Jeff, you know, I just don't feel like I'm good enough to receive the Holy Spirit. That doesn't matter. There's no prerequisites. All you have to have is a heart that's ready and able to receive. Let's pray. Father God, we just, we just thank you and we love you for who you are. Lord, and we know that there are, there are many things that we still need to discover about you. We thank you that you have given us a word that gives us solid direction. Lord, and we thank you that this word is untouchable. From cover to cover, God, it is yours. God, I pray that people would not listen to every little teaching out there, but they would read for themselves and know what the Bible says and what they can have and what they can do because we are to be a demonstration to the world. God, I pray that we would have the courage to step out and face a world that will call us weird, face a world that will think that we're different, and we are. But in turn, God, we know that you will be with us everywhere we go, in every uncomfortable situation, in everything that we face, and we know that miracles will happen. And I pray that all of these people would step out at least one time, Lord, to experience your miracle working power. If you're here today and you would like to receive the gift of tongues or if you would like to be, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we would love to do, that, to do that for you. All you have to do is just come forward. If not, we're done. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to me. In Jesus' name, amen.